Welcome to the Empowering Mentor Podcast. I am your host, Crystal Kelsey. If you are looking to empower your life, to take control, to become successful, happy, and healthy, you have come to the right place. Sit back and relax. You are in for a treat. Welcome, welcome, Julie Brown. I am so excited to have you on my podcast as my guest. Um, Crystal, I'm so excited too. This is, you know, we just met and now we have so much to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just love everything that you, you are doing. Um, you have a new podcast coming out. It's called The Identity Retooled. And I do also see that you have um, just started your um, Facebook group as well, Bold Becoming. So tell me a little bit about yourself, your background. What has like inspired you to take this action into having your own podcast and getting your message out there? Well, I can't say that I wanted to. However, I know that I need to because I need a way to use my therapeutic voice again. I was a social worker and I had the rug pulled out from under me and I lost my career because of a disability. I couldn't write, type, click or drag anymore. And I'm so, so I can use, all I can do is use my voice. And, um, and so that's podcasting is good for that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm a, you know, so even though I lost my, um, my social work career, I, it, I didn't lose my, 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 um, what can I call it? I'm, I'm not going to use the word identity, but mm-hmm. I didn't lose my desire to be of service to others okay. and to help people with, um, strategic like um god i'm my brain i think because i'm nervous talking to you i can't think of anything but reverse engineering like i'm really good at strategic planning and helping people reverse engineer what they want to do and things like that so even though i didn't have a way to do that like professionally anymore Hmm. um i i didn't lose that desire And so now I'm coming up with personal growth programs and I do coaching and, um, and now the podcast where I can help people like connect the dots for themselves. So that's, that's what I'm so excited about with the, the, um, the podcast and also to have a topic that I know too well, like the back of my hand, because I've had a lot of identity losses um, like almost every 10 years on average throughout my life. Mm. And so it's something that, that I, I'm not saying I'm an expert. All I'm saying is that I'm not afraid of it. And I can help other people with when they're in the middle of it. Wow. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you being so open with me and, you know, I guess really going in and I know it can be hard talking about things that have happened in the past. And you had mentioned that, you know, these circumstances have came up like every 10 years. Like, would you like to elaborate on that? 
well, do we have like five days? <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. I guess. Oh, I mean, it's like, uh, um, well, okay. This is directly connected to the podcast. Why the podcast is such a big deal for me. Because my first identity loss was when I was in fifth grade, when I decided to stop beating people up, mostly the boys, but also sometimes I would bully the girls because, you know, you learn violence and that's just what you do. Mm. And, um, and so I wanted to, I wanted to be more liked. Mm. Anybody relate to that? You know, did did that ever happen to you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so like when I was a little girl, I didn't care about being liked. I cared about doing what I wanted to do, which was tomboy stuff, which was athletics at recess. And that's why I had to beat the boys up because they didn't want a girl playing with them. Okay. And so when I was a little girl, I was not, a, you know, I really didn't care what people thought about me. Mm. Um, but then I did in right. fifth grade. And, um, and so what happened though, while I stopped beating people up with my fists, I also inadvertently lost my voice. I stopped speaking my truth. I didn't stop living my truth, Mm -hmm. but I stopped speaking my truth. And then like for the rest of the, the years, I kept trying these different interventions to get my voice back. And I had some different successes. And so now this podcast, you know, like 50 years later, because I'm 62 now, um, and that happened when I was 11. Um, that's why this podcast is such a big deal, because basically, ever since I was 11, I speaking my truth has felt really dangerous. Yeah. And so I've, you know, self-censored and muted, and I still do what I'm going to do, but yeah. I don't necessarily willing to make the waves that, you know, and, and now I have a, something to speak on that isn't controversial. It's like helping people with identity loss. And so I can show up and it's fun. <laughs> Absolutely. It's so much fun and helping other people at the same time. And I, I know that I can relate to that, you know, of like losing your voice, of not being able to speak up or not wanting to be a bother to others is like, was one of my ways of like, shrinking myself and not being able to have my own voice I I can understand you remember a time when that happened or was it always that way because a lot of times with girls it's always that way yeah I don't think there was ever a time except for now and I'm 42 though I'm 41 41 (laughs) I mean yeah I finally Oh, wow. I'm getting shivers. I just, oh my God, I'm, my whole body is getting shivers hearing that because your whole life and. Oh yeah. And But you know, you have half your life plus ahead of you speaking your truth. Yeah. And because if you live to 80 or 90, you're only halfway through. Right. Yeah. And be able to help other people that hopefully that they can find their voice earlier than I did and give them that empowerment to be able to speak their truth and to be authentically who they are instead of hiding exactly so i hid a lot through drug use i was mm-hmm. high all the time on marijuana yeah mm-hmm. i had i had two i mean i i wasn't doing that to hide actually it was a stimulant for me and i 
Another identity loss was when I was 21. Um, I lost my, my, I had a knee injury and an ankle injury and the knee injury never got better. So I had to drop out of competitive sports, which was my main identity. And it was where nobody could ever say I wasn't good there because in other ways, everybody could say that I wasn't good. You know, you're not beautiful. You're not smart. You're not this, you're not that, but nobody could ever say I wasn't a top athlete. And then I, and then I wasn't an athlete anymore. That's my identity loss. That still like brings tears to my eyes. Yeah. Um, but where was I going with that? So it was sort of like numbing the pain or numbing. Oh yeah. So then in my twenties, I started having all of these health problems and, and, and owies that never got better. And, um, and I, and I had this severe fatigue mm. and, and so what happened with marijuana is it was for me, like most people it makes them all relaxed and kick back and, and no, it was a stimulant. Like I would never smoke before bed. Oh, holy shit. I would, oops, excuse me. <laughs> I would, um, and so, but then what also happened with the marijuana because I would always want to be high is that then I wouldn't want people to know that I was high because, you know, you don't want to be, you don't want people to know you're an addict because that's like shameful. Right. And so, so I would hide out. I wouldn't answer the phone. Mm -hmm. And so that was another way I like muted my voice was by, by, um, through those, those years of my twenties, I, I was a serious addict. Yeah. I was a high functioning addict. I got like right. two master's degrees at the same time, but um, undergraduate and then master's degrees, but right. it, it wasn't fun um, hiding out like that. Right. Sort of like an isolation. Like you. Very isolating. Yeah. Um, yeah. I could totally relate to that. I know like for a lot of like numbing for me um, was alcohol use and really, I mean, before it was the eating disorders of like being oh. able to control that. Oh, and then man. it became into like alcohol was so much easier to numb the pain and that soothing. And, but it was, it was so isolating. And so I can see where like in the longer, I don't know if you found this, but I found that like the longer that I isolated myself, the harder it was to, it, that became the new norm. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 Much easier just to hang out by yourself high or, you know, yeah. and not like deal with anything. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. So, so you went through that identity and you're like going through your twenties. And so what snapped you out of that? So I felt so much shame in my 20s because when I was 21, I went to UC Berkeley and that was where I went to one soccer practice on the one of the two best teams in 1980 of women's soccer in the country. And I went to one practice and I was sent home because my knee hurt. He said, go to this doctor, don't come back to your well. I never got well. And so then I, um, I decided, well, I better get an education since I'm sitting here at UC Berkeley. And I discovered public health. And, um, and so I wanted to get a master's in public health, which I eventually did. But so it was like, it was such a, 
such a um, disconnect because public health is about preventing disease. And here I was like an addict and then my whole health is falling apart. And I didn't, the doctors couldn't help me at all. They were just like, oh, it's all in your head. Right. And, um, and so towards the end of that, in my last um, year of graduate school, and, oh, and then I discovered social welfare at the same time. And so I ended up like doing two master's degrees at the same time. And I am not an academic. I'm just like research papers, reading, writing and reading is just like, oh, <laughs> um, but anyway, I was in the most physical pain of my life and I was freaking out. Um, I even was a little bit suicidal. I was like, this is, this is like, this is so unpleasant. Hmm. And so this friend of mine, this like part-time lover, on-call lover kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so for nine years, he had been telling me, oh, try macrobiotics, Julie. It'll help you um, get back out on the soccer field. And I didn't believe him. Right. And because if it was so great, why was he still alcoholic? Right. Okay. What I didn't know, and I realized later, is that he's still alive because he did macrobiotics. Wow. And, um, and so it's like, it's like one thing doesn't have to solve everything, right. but one thing can make a huge difference. And so what happened was, is that, so all these years he'd been telling me like, come on, just try macrobiotics. And, and I was, I didn't tell him that, like, yeah. I don't believe you, but I just never like took it seriously. But I was so physically miserable Mm. that he he said Julie let me cook for you for 10 days nice and then you can make an informed choice right I was like okay and so he did and my world changed so this was in 1989 Mm -hmm. um I don't well you're a little younger but and I don't know but anyway, you know the word perestroika and glasnost? It was when the Soviet Union fell apart. Oh, okay, yes, okay. And it was all this, I don't know what those words mean, but whatever they meant back then, and I knew what they meant back then because everybody was talking about it, hmm. that was what was happening to me. I had a personal transformation in my body and my psyche. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I didn't actually give up all of my other eating, but I added to it this macrobiotic, which is macrobiotic is whole unprocessed grains, brown rice, millet, barley, stuff like that, quinoa, um, and in the whole form, not like ground up made into pasta or bread. That's not, that's, this we're like talking like the real grain, you can actually see what you're eating and vegetables and sea vegetables and a little bit of fermented products. That's what macrobiotics is. Mm-hmm. And so he, he cooked for me for 10 days and my life changed. And I, so I had stopped reading in sixth grade. Cause remember in fifth grade, right. I stopped fighting. And then what happened to me is I had to like figure out how to keep all my anger and all this stuff that I didn't agree with inside of me. Yeah. 
And so all of that effort to, to, to squelch this made it hard to concentrate. Yeah. And so all these years, the way I made it through college was I show up for class. I never miss class. Mm. And, and I take copious notes. Mm. And so, um, so my last year in graduate school, I, um, I, could, I started reading again because I could concentrate. It's mm. like, it's like some the anxiety just like evaporated and I could focus and I was on this super stressful internship. It was a six month internship. And, um, and my supervisor who, when I started on that internship, she called me into her office and said, Julie, you're stressed out. I want you to start swimming every day. I was like, oh, well, okay. And so she told me how her husband goes to these master swim team thing. And I, I say, I love swimming, but it's so boring. Like I get out after 10 minutes, she says, Oh, no, try this master's swim class. So I found one in Berkeley. And there's a coach there. And I was in the slow lane. And you do 100 back and forth in one hour in the slow lane. Right. And and so I loved it. But anyway, it didn't necessarily take care of my stress. Mm. And maybe it helped. But so anyway, so then months later, October of 89, so it was actually, um, I can't do math in my head, but like 30, this month, mm. like before, it was a week before the earthquake, which was last week was mm -hmm. the anniversary uh, where the, the bridge fell down in San Francisco between San Francisco and Oakland and all these people like, and, and it was a baseball game. And so not very many people were on the freeways when the Oakland freeway Right. So not so many people died because it was people had like gone home early to watch this baseball game. Anyway, so a week before that happened is when I started macrobiotics. And so then um, my supervisor called me because I started that thing in like June mm. and now it was October. And so in June, I started swimming, but in October, I started macrobiotics. So my supervisor calls me back in the office again. She says, Julie what happened to you? I said, well, what do you mean? She says, you're different. What's your secret? Yeah. And I said, oh, well, I changed my diet. My friend like started cooking for me. Right. And, um, and I just feel different. Mm -hmm. And, and so that was like, that was 32 years ago, October, I think is the math. Please don't give me <laughs> oh you're good <laughs> and so um so then then I realized okay I gotta do this cooking myself because like he's not the type of person like I can't depend on somebody to to cook for me and also part of macrobiotics is he hadn't like told me later on we had lots of discussions about macrobiotics because it's more than just changing what food you eat it's a whole lifestyle change it's, it's changing your thinking and the main part about changing your thinking is that you are responsible for what happens to you. Not a hundred percent because society exists and all that, but so much by the choices that we make, right. by the people we choose to be around, by the food we put in our mouth, by um, the work that we do, mm -hmm. toxic work environments or whatever. I know we feel stuck and, um, and especially in this country, we have so much choice. Oh my God, we have so much so choice. Much. Mm -hmm. 
And, um, and so I, I got him to give me two cooking lessons because I was not a cook. Mm-hmm. I, I, cooking is just not my area of expertise. Mm-hmm. And then I went off of that for a year with his two cooking classes. And maybe he, 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 oh, he told me one macrobiotic cookbook. Mm-hmm. And then I, I made some stuff out of that. And then after that year, I, um, I started going to cooking classes. I had a, a formal macrobiotic consultation with somebody whose job it was, was like helping people with their health problems and, and doing the macrobiotic path. We called it a macrobiotic path instead of diet. And, um, and then he's, he gave cooking classes once a month and he gave these lectures. And so then that's a year later, I started like really going in, but that's what happened. And, and then once, well, anyway, a lot happened, more healing happened. Do you want to hear about that? Yeah, I absolutely. But do. What is your audience here to hear about? Yeah. I'm sorry. No, you are absolutely. It's perfect, honestly, because the thing is, is that I talk a lot about like setbacks and about transformation and about, you know, coming into your own. And it's funny when you start to talk about the macrobiomes and like, honestly, I started clean eating and started like, and it started with small things, small things of like getting the processed stuff out of the house. Um, And then we started getting into like chemical free stuff, like it, and have really have nudged down and down and down. Um, I've become a vegetarian, my daughter's a vegan, and just like really become, you know, intensely involved in like high quality foods, not processed, high quality, whole clean foods. And it has, it's changed my perspective. It's changed my energy. It has changed because the, the thing is, is that when we're treating ourselves and we're investing our in our health, we are going to feel better about ourselves. Uh, not only the fact it, that it's a, it's a figure eight, like one leads yeah. to the next, leads to the next, and it keeps right. like spiraling it, up. Yeah, because the way that we do one thing is the way that we do everything. Right. So it was just coming into my transformation and being you know, from where I was to where I am now, and just like gradually, you know, going into this whole process, and then it just, it does, it, it transforms you. So yeah, this is like absolute gold, and I could so relate to this. And I'm sure a lot of my listeners out there, that I'm sure that you can um, appreciate all of this valuable information because it is so valuable and I'm all about like mind body connection all right well then let me tell you another another part of the story mm. so this is October 89 my supervisor pulls me in there now um almost two years earlier I had disowned my dad um, he used to hit me physically growing up and yell at all of us, hit all of, not my mom, but me and my three brothers. Mm. And, um, and, and then he stopped hitting, hitting us, but he would still yell us and, at us. And he was still a like control tyrant type of guy. Mm. And, and so here I am like in my late twenties. And every time I go home for a family dinner, 
I am um, I, I drive back to Berkeley because they live down near Palo Alto and I was in Berkeley. Mm -hmm. So is it like this hour long drive as long as there's not some horrible traffic jam, which there half the time was. But anyway, so glad I don't live in the Bay Area anymore. <laughs> um, I would drive home like crying in rage because I would have gotten in a fight with my dad because I was the one who always like talked back to my dad. My brothers were more compliant, but I just anyway so i finally i was in so much stress in graduate school and um and and you know we just we just were always it just was so unpleasant so i i my therapist like helped me write this letter and and say that you know i want you i i was all i don't want you to i don't want you to so no make it what you want i want you to not call me write me visit me like zero contact and I didn't go home for holidays, uh, you know, and um, so this was going to be the second Christmas that I wasn't going to go home. Mm -hmm. But I had in October, I had started the macrobiotics and then like this anxiety that I actually didn't even know I had, except I would feel little pangs in my, you know, you get a thought and then it makes a pang in your stomach. Right. I think that's a sign of anxiety. But anyway, so all that had like gone away and I could, I felt so calm. And, um, and then my therapist said, you know, you could go, oh, I know my little brother was going to be there from New York mm -hmm. and I wanted to see him because he was my favorite brother because he could never beat me up. <laughs> and, um, and so my therapist said, you know, you can go home. So I'm like 28 at the time or something. I don't remember some like adult age. He said, you could go home and at any time you can get up and leave. Right. I was like, really? In the middle of dinner? Yeah. He's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, this is what you do when you're a grown up. You can, you could just split. Right. Because it, it, isn't that weird? Like we're all like in our adulthood and we don't realize how free we are. I know. Yeah. We still are acting like these little kids. Mm -hmm. And so I, I said, oh, okay. And so I went there and actually I stopped at my friend's house that I used to like a friend's house. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go home, but I'm not going to hug my dad. And um, I was cry when I tell this part. But anyway, so I go in the front door and, and then I turn the corner and then there's the living room and my dad's sitting at the other end reading because he's a voracious reader he's mm. 93 he still reads oh, wow. hours every day and then i and then the kitchen's over here where my mom is and so i had to pass and so then my dad gets up he's like julie and i say hi dad okay. and then i keep walking towards my mom and i go and i hug my mom because she's you know and she's all happy i'm there and then my little brother comes in and I hug him because they're not expecting me. Because right. I was like, I'm not going to be treated one more minute of my life poorly by my dad. And everybody thought, everybody was so against this. Well, my mom understood and maybe, maybe my little brother understood, but my oldest brother didn't and the other brother, I don't know. And, but other people, they're like, oh, you can't disown your dad. I'm like, if any other man in the universe 
treated me the way my dad treats me, you would say I'm stupid. That I'm setting myself up and allowing myself to be abused. What makes it my father be any different? Right. And then they'd shut up. Mm. And so, um, so I'm there hugging my mom and then I'm my brother. And then something, I just decide. Mm. I feel like hugging my dad. Right. So I went in and he gets up again. And we just hug. We didn't say anything. And in that embrace, 30 years of anger and hatred physically evaporated out of the top of my head. Yeah. And see, this is why I don't talk about it because it's like, no, I can't help that happen to anybody else. But now I'm talking about it because the thing is, we don't know what's going to happen until we make changes right. and, and then uh, and then things are allowed to happen and things are allowed to release. And, and I swear to God, that was like one of the first metaphysical um, experiences I ever had. And it was so incredible. It just like, it just, I felt physically right. it coming out of the top of my head and, and we didn't say anything. And 32 years later, mm. he has never mistreated me. He has treated me the way a father is supposed to treat their child. And so that was like, oh man. Um, and, and, but see, if I hadn't like done the macrobiotics and changed my eating and had this anxiety release from me mm. and, and also the help of the therapist, it's like not one thing. It's like a combination of things. And for everybody, it's going to be a different combination. But what I try to tell people is seek help, right. pay for the best help you can afford. Right. You know, if you have to do the freebies, do the freebies, but really, you know, but also, uh, um, so anyway, and, and so that was, that was like this other transformation that it was just unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable. And, um, oh, and, and so then you were talking about like, you changed and you cleaned up your diet. I don't like to use the word clean eating because then people get like, well, my early eating isn't dirty. Uh, anyway, exactly. um, I can understand that. People were so judgmental about. So when I came back, well, anyway, when I came, so I lost weight. When I came back to school after my six month internship, people were like, Julie, do you have AIDS? I'm like, no, I lost weight. Right. And, um, but the other thing is, like you said, your energy, my energy, like went up 50%. Yeah, it was yeah. so incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And not only that, but probably like, do you feel like the release of being able to let go of that anxiety and that turmoil inside of you? Like it was sort of like a, a weight lifted off your shoulder. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, first of all, the the fear of graduating from school see it's in school i could hide behind my non-reading and i could take as long as i needed to write those papers and all of that but then going out into the work world you gotta like perform on the spot right so i was i was actually terrified like how am i going to function in the work world when i can't concentrate and read because i'm in a like 
I was getting my public health degree. I was, my plan was to go off and work in Africa in public health. And, and I was getting my social degree, work degree because I, I discovered social work and it was fun. And I just decided I wanted to do that. Right. Wow. So, so yeah, so being able to concentrate again was, was just incredible. Yeah. Do you feel like, yeah, that's uh, so incredible. I absolutely like, thank you so much for sharing that. And also like, so do you feel like that awareness, like I, and I know I'm sort of backtracking here too. And obviously if I'm heading a, a wound, I, I really, I don't want I'll to. Believe me, I'll tell okay. you, okay. but I, I, I'm an open book, so don't worry. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it's funny. Um, but I was just thinking of like looking back and like, I could sort of feel that emotion of you being in that room and in that space, like hugging your mom. And then it was sort of like you had given yourself permission to not to have to go over to your dad, but you felt something within you in yeah. that moment that it surprised me through you there. And I surrendered to it. Yes. And then you was able to release and let go of maybe everything that you've been holding on to. Well, I can't say everything because trauma, yeah. trauma gets it's stuck in the cellular level. Right. Um, but it was, it was the, um, yes, it was a major, just a major release. Like and, and I never, and I, for 15 years, I never like told him what happened right. or we've never discussed, right. you know, why I hated him so much. Mm -hmm. Um, that happened later at another time, but, um, so healing and releasing, you don't, I don't believe that we ever get healed. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I help people with healing, right? but not like getting healed because right. human life, it never stops throwing curveballs. Oh, no, you know, no, anybody no. that doesn't have curveballs, no matter how rich <laughs> and easy their life appears. No, we will always, and we're forever evolving and we right. will forever have setbacks, dips and, you know, you know, catastrophes. Having, yeah. It's good. And like you said, it is just part of life. And I think it's just like learning the coping skills of having, how to, you know, go through these instances and to, you know, be able to bounce back from setbacks even quicker, just because you have these amount of tools to work with. And, and I think that, you know, we're now we're getting into philosophy or something. I think that we're human beings that, that love is the goal, self-love right. and love of others. And that we are given so many challenges to shut down both. Yeah. And, and that we keep getting these challenges and that if, if, if that one, that sort of the solution, the goal is to still be open 
to receive love and to give love. Right. And, and as long as we, we are, can't do that, then we're, we're in turmoil. We're not settled. We're not, we're not at peace because peace and love, you can't have peace without love and you can't have love without peace. So those are, those are the human ideal that we seem to universally all dream of and strive towards and struggle with. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and that healing is, is all like, so a lot of people, they get like physically ill and then they recover, like, especially life-threatening stuff and they recover. And they're like, I'm glad that happened because now I appreciate life differently. Yeah. Cause right. sometimes we, 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 we don't, we just like take things for granted. Right. And we might not see that at the moment that it's happening, but there's no. always yeah. like always looking back and always thinking, wow, you know, it, all these things, it just is part of our, our journey and we get to decide of how we respond to them. You know, are we going to react or are we going to or respond and really yep. just are we going to I remember learning those two words right <laughs> oh my god the difference between react and respond that will change your life and that I learned that like during the macro, early macrobiotic years exactly. about taking responsibility and I don't remember where I learned it from but it's like most people are in reaction mode they they something happens and they react they it's we're on auto mode right and but especially once we become adults even we can teach kids this but especially as adults hmm. we have a choice to intellectually like stop and wait a minute and and say wait a minute i know what i feel like doing or saying and let me think of how i want to respond exactly such a it's gold it's gold and it's like having that awareness like of that you are in that reacting state and you only get a split second to have control of your response instead of just quick reacting right and there's only an instant of being able to catch yourself in time <laughs> yeah yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's so fantastic. I honestly like it's it's really amazing how when we do like find our self-worth and we start investing in ourselves and we start taking care of ourselves, that we are able to have the energy to deal with the things in our life, other things in our lives. Because like when you really think about it, you know we are in survival mode. If we are not like taking care of our basic needs and getting the nutrients and the things that we need, we can't even process all of this other stuff, whether it's depression or anxiety, because we're so focused on survival. So, you know, and if we're putting junk in our body, you know, what are we going to get out? You know, if we're surrounding ourselves with negativity, like what are we, what are, how is our body going to respond? So, yeah. So in, in macrobiotics, we, we teach 
biology precedes psychology. So if you have better, if you, if you improve your biology, your physiology, your cellular functioning, then our psychology is improved and we have better judgment. Exactly. So talking about um, negativity, there was uh, like back in the, when macrobiotics was really popular, it's like passe now, but it still works. Um, <laughs> but um, back when it was really popular in the eighties, I think there was a prison where they cooked macrobiotic meals. And it was a complete transformation of those prisoners. Wow. I don't know any more about it than that. I know it happened. Mm -hmm. I know there was obvious major beneficial transformation. I don't know why it stopped, how it started, any of that. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if you can, if you can like get a prison environment right. to change because of what they're eating, what does that tell us? I know. And like, yeah, what does that tell us? And it like, I mean, I think we could both sit here for hours and talk about the food industry. Oh God. You know, I mean, I don't even, that is like a whole nother can of worms. That's a, that's a four letter word. It is honestly, you know, it absolutely is. And it's a shame because, and a lot of people don't, understand and they're not educated enough to know no, no we are so brainwashed right. into being quick and convenient and good and tasty yes. and those are those are just those are the only things we're um judging on yeah and and we we don't want to make the connection we know that what we eat can make us fatter right but that's about the only connection we're willing to make Right, exactly. Not to mention the fact that I know from personal standpoint, like you said, with the anxiety, you know, anxiety, depression, I grew up with it, you know, it's like, and I know for me, that when I am eating well, and I'm taking care of myself, I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's just like, and that's what, like, for me, like, and that's why, like, I so can relate to you about, you know, that whole transformation that, yeah, I mean, it is a lot about thoughts and beliefs and stuff like that, but it has also to do what you're putting in your body, your eating. So last Thanksgiving, I was sitting here alone because I, because of COVID, I'm not like going on airplanes mm -hmm. and I stayed up like almost all night I wrote half a book on uh, so it's a macro it's a thing about like doing macrobiotics right and but what it was geared toward is like self-betrayal mm. where we're, we're it's so easy to betray ourselves and so we have to be aware of this in order to make these better choices right yeah exactly oh that's really good that is really good and it is. And I think in another sense, also, like whether we're talking about like, you know, sugar and the, you know, the chemicals that are put in our foods that are making us psychologically needing and wanting these foods. Oh, it's completely planned to addict us. And, and, yeah. And it works. 
Yes. Yeah, it does. And then, but until you separate yourself from it, that you don't have that psychological need for it, you don't even want it anymore. Because Once you get far enough away from it, like, like, well, I, I do like have this sugar addiction that I'm always falling off the wagon mm-hmm. with. Um, I'm on like 160 days now. Ooh. Quitting sugar for me is way harder than quitting marijuana. Mm-hmm. Quitting marijuana took me like nine years of quitting and starting and quitting and starting. Mm-hmm. Quitting sugar has been like a 40 like since in my twenties, I'm um, in my sixties. Yeah. So like 40 year process. Yeah. Um, but what was I, what was I going to say about that? I forget what I was going to say. Yeah. I'm just wondering. Um, yeah. So with the sugar, when do you find that you're eating the sugar? Like what? Oh, under stress. When I get stressed, especially when I get angry, Okay. Mm-hmm. then it's like, it's just like a, beeline but and the thing with why i say it's addiction for me Hmm. is once i have one thing of sugar Mm. i'm gone yeah months because one thing then it's like well let me just have one more thing Mm -hmm. and then well one more before i quit again right and then and then i'm eating it regular every day it's like where am i going to get my fix today what what am i what am i going to eat today i have my favorite chocolate chocolate chip hagen dazs fortunately it's not always available it's hard to find right um but the problem is is just like drug addiction is like you're never satisfied so i can eat a whole thing well chocolate chocolate chip ice uh, hagen dazs i can usually stop there but Mm -hmm. if i have a candy bar yeah like, no, I gotta have another one. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's it's not it it never satiates. Right. It apps yeah. like my my beloved pattern making teacher Simone. <laughs> we would stop our, our class and have tea time because she, she's like from India, and so the British thing, you know, is have tea time. <laughs> and so then she'd have um little little cookies and stuff to eat, and then and then she'd give me a little chocolate and she'd just like eat one. She could just eat one little piece of chocolate Mm -hmm. and that would do it for her. Mm -hmm. No, (laughs) it doesn't work that way for me. So that's why for me, it's all or nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I just, I just, I, I, you know, it's been 40 years trying to like, it's like, if you're an alcoholic, are you going to ask them to drink in moderation? No, you just let them not drink. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know I'm, I'm that like, I'm not bad with the sugar like that. Cause like, I'll have chocolate on my oats in the morning. Cause that's like my little treat, but that's always been my thing. Like I could deal with like a square of chocolate or something like that. And I think it's just like, that's why I was asking because like, was wondering about, cause it releases like serotonin and dopamine within your system, you know, and I'll get my serotonin and dopamine other ways, right? Because the chocolate also has hard fats, which yeah, start to like cause carotid right. artery problems. Yeah, exactly. My grandma was 97% clogged on this side and 98% clogged on this side. Wow. She had them yeah. rotor rooted two different mm-hmm. times. Wow. 
Yeah, yeah. that's from hard fats, right. animal fats, and and things that are are hard at room temperature, chocolate, even even um, cocoa, coconut um, oil is right. a hard fat. So even though it's vegan, it's our bodies would prefer not to have that much of it. Yeah, it's a lot of saturated fat. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, this has been amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, is there any suggestions that you would make for anybody who is like just sort of like lost in their their way, maybe like feeling like they aren't really who they want to be, like that they just an action step that someone could take to help them start. The most important thing is to believe yourself. Hmm. When you start believing yourself, you can start loving yourself. When you start loving yourself, you'll start treating yourself better. Right. You'll start making, you'll start believing that that choice that you want to make, but that all these other voices from the past and all these current voices are telling you for all these stupid ass reasons hmm. not to, you'll have the courage to make the choices that are right for you. Right. And also to, to not feel like you have to justify or explain your choices to people, especially in the beginning, yes. because you haven't like validated it yet. So in the beginning, just make your choices and see how it works and don't like, maybe don't even discuss it with other people right right so like with macrobiotics oh i i got so much crap from everybody because oh so my our food isn't good enough for you my food isn't good enough your food is better and i was like you know please yeah because i would bring my own food to potlucks right exactly and and, and, and they would be insulted or even to holiday dinners right. you know and um and so when you're making a change first of all inside of you knows what to do so that's the first place to start is to like start meditating right. and you will start to get those whispers will be heard more often right. and don't don't shut down those whispers because you're afraid follow, be curious about those whispers and be courageous to take action on those whispers. And they are going to lead you where you need to go. I'm not going to say that you'll never make a mistake. You are going to do things and learn from it and then, and then pivot because life isn't like, there is no straight canal in life. Life is a river and it's flowing and you go, even they have eddies where you go back and forth and around in circles and like, oh my God, you know, how do I get out? Like me with my sugar stuff, I'm in an eddy and then I get out of it right. and then I'm not in the eddy anymore. And I'm able to like concentrate on other stuff. Right. So that's it is, is just really respect your gut your intuition, you know, for, for guys, it's the gut feeling for women. It's your intuition. It's the same thing. It's like your inner voice. It's there for a reason. It knows what it's talking about. It has your best interest at heart, even though what it is telling you might be absolutely terrifying. Right. 
be curious because it has your best interest. So I think that's the end of my lecture. <laughs> oh, you are amazing, Julie. I am like so much gold in this episode. And oh my, I guess I so appreciate you taking your time out of your day uh, to be here with us and just sharing your knowledge and so much value. And how do we find you? So I know that you're over on Instagram. I see you over there. And I'm at Julie Brown with an E, B-R-O-W-N-E, Courage Ignite. Like my whole thing is ignite your courage. What I, that whole thing I just said is like, Love it. just be, you know, like how to, anyway, so that's what I'm about. Courage, Julie Brown, Courage Ignite on Instagram. And then my, my website is um, courageignite.com. Awesome. Yeah. So that's it. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Oh, and my, and my podcast. Oh yes. yes. I, I, did I tell you in the beginning, I'm, I'm decided to launch it on December 29th. Oh, fantastic. So I right now we're, we're October 22nd. So December 29th, because that was the day my, my hand gave out on my social work job and I lost my social work career. Oh my. I was like, that would be a good day to like do my identity loss launch. So my, my, my podcast is called bold becoming becoming identity retooled. Oh, okay. All right. Bold becoming entity retooled. And that's December 29th. I am so excited oh, to listen to told, you. Well, actually, I did say it on Instagram live, but who knows who listened to that? Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Well, thank you so very much. And um, yeah, hopefully have you on here again to share some more value. All right. Thank you. And good luck with yours. When does yours launch, Crystal? I'm already. Oh, you're already doing it. Mm -hmm. I'm already launched. Hold on a second. I'm going to.